One. Welcome, everybody, to episode 33 of the One to Go show. It is Puka once again joined by Ryan Aho and Bert Lehman. We've got a great episode coming up here. We're actually real excited to go with or to tell you all about our inaugural power rankings, top 10 for the states of North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. And we've come up with a top 10 list, power rankings, but we're going to do that momentarily because we had a lot of racing action over the weekend, and we're going to start at the Cedar Lake Speedway. You know, we don't get too many three-day, multi-day events up here in the Northland, and obviously this one kind of kicked off the, the summer season here. I was fortunate enough to get down there on Friday, so I thought I would start tonight. Just a few observations. So the facility hasn't changed too much. We talked a little bit earlier this year about the pit stalls. So they are, yep, there's, there's definitely concrete pit stalls in there. And I guess for this weekend, I talked to a driver who did not have one of the stalls. They're, they're charging 40 bucks a weekend on some of these specials. So um, I was surprised by that, but then I wasn't surprised. I just, it was just something I hadn't thought of. But, um, and then Ryan, you and I talked a little bit. The clay is definitely a little redder. And there are some, and I remember Burton, I don't know if you noticed last year when you were the pits at the Nationals, but there were some piles there last year with some tarps over right, right, you know, where they turn to go on the scales right behind, there's fencing and they're right behind that. And there's big piles of clay there. Like I said, they are tarped. So the surface is a little redder than, you know, we're all used to for people that have been going to Cedar Lake for the last 20, 30 years, the cushion, there really wasn't a cushion, you know, where Cedar Lake used to fold a little bit, kind of like if any of you watched the stream last weekend at Eldora, you know, that cushion kind of, you know, rolls up to the wall and, and there was no rolling. Like uh, Ryan and I talked, it was hard. It was hard packed. Do you want to comment on that, Ryan? Well, yeah. You know, you talked about, well, I think the red clay really changed the tack pep. I've got to be honest. I'm going to start off by saying this. So we got these headsets today. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Ben from Dirt Ray Central. It's weird to me, like I, it, it doesn't sound right in my ear, so I, I, it's, it's craziness to me. So bear with me tonight. So, but uh, what you, we talked about that during the race, and you're like, man, they really changed things up. They got new clay on there. And I said, well, I don't think that's why it's dry. They, they really sheep's footed the heck out of that place. And you saw when there was traction down on the bottom, you know, it was actually a little choppy, a little rough down on the bottom. Track had some attitude. So if they wouldn't have sheep's footed it, the whole track might have been rough. Now, the third night when they farmed it, a lot of people were upset about that because they're like, man, there's two races to go. They're farming the track. But, man, the racing was ten times better when they had a, a, a farm surface. So the mod feature and the late model feature were both great, in my opinion, on the third night, better than they were on the first two, um, simply because there was more moisture. But one thing that we can all agree on with Cedar Lake is they don't rest on their laurels, right? They don't say, well, this is what you got. They're always trying stuff. And sometimes the locals are a little bit ticked off about that because they get a lot of the testing during the year and sometimes they get some pretty rough and whatever tracks but they're always trying to better that surface because when the big shows happen they want to put, they want to be able to put on a great show and I got to be honest I really didn't hear too much negative about the Masters I watched all three nights and I thought it was great racing so hats off to the guys at Cedar Lake. Bert did you notice anything on the track surface? Well, I just noticed, uh, especially the first night, uh, you didn't want to stray from that uh, uh, brown strip of moisture at the bottom of the track. And uh, on, I didn't see it. I didn't watch the feature on Friday night, but I did see the late model feature on Saturday night. And uh, that the track was more racy throughout the first part of the race. Um, you know, Mars was running. I'm probably I might be getting ahead of my of ourselves here, 
but, uh, you know, by the end of the race, the bottom, once again, that brown strip of moisture down at the bottom of the track proved to be the fast way around the track. And, uh, I mean, watching Hannestad, I mean, even on all the restarts, he stayed on the bottom the entire time, even when Mars and others were going to the top side. And uh, in the end, that proved to, to be the difference maker. Yeah, and by the way, race fans, just just a real quick recap on the late models. Thursday night, won by Jimmy Mars. Friday night, won by Jesse Glenn's. Saturday night, by uh, Rick Hannestead. So we'll, we'll like I said, we're not going to get too much of the results. We're going to talk more about kind of what are some of our observations. So that was kind of what I saw in the facility. Uh, and then the racing. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is the USRA late models. Now, I'd seen USRA late models one other time at the USA Nationals last year in Birch. You probably remember the, they might have had seven last year yeah, i think it was the it, first it was time and, yeah low car count a couple of them looked like there used to be actually a class at cedar lake used to be called the jalopies right i don't know if you remember that but like in the eight and i don't know what they were if they were equivalent to a super stock and i remember nesbitt told me one time so it was kind of offensive you know guys work on these cars all week and you call it a jalopy but you know some of these cars they, they i mean they had just like well, practically a duct tape number it wasn't much well this year they had the numbers were much better they had three heats and uh, you know night one and night two happened to be won by a friend of the show joel Provenzino, a Joe Provo racer. Some of you might be familiar. So it was really exciting. And I got to admit, I got to uh, admit that, you know, I'm opposite of a hot Carl here. I, I kind of fell in love with the class <laughs> I, or maybe falling in love is a little bit strong. And I know Ryan wants to push back on me a little bit, but you know, what I've heard is they run for a, basically a super stock purse and you know, comparing the two, I would rather not as a racer. You might not like that because <laughs> the money isn't there, but as a fan, I would much rather watch those USARA late models versus super stocks. I've just gotten too old to watch super stocks. So Ryan, I'll turn it to you. Cause I know you wanted to push back a little bit on that. Well, first of all, you're a late model fan, right? True. So you should actually move down to Georgia. You can be at a track. They run like seven classes of late models all on the same night. You'd probably be in your height to glory down. Do there, they right? really? You yeah, waited till episode 33 <laughs> to tell me this? <laughs> well, maybe not seven, but I know there's tracks that have three classes of late models. And as a, for a casual fan, I think it's confusing, right? I mean, let's, oh, yeah. let's face it. You look at Dan Gullickson's car. You look at Joel Pravo's car. They don't look any different than any of the late models we watched in the, other, in the main late model. They look the same. To me, there should not be two classes at the track that look the same. It's confusing for the casual fan. The diehard fan maybe gets it. The other thing is, I mean, come on, a $50,000 glorified super stock? Seriously? I mean, you're buying brand new MDs, brand new cars, brand new Longhorns, I mean, brand new race cars that are a late model. Thursday night, they race for 400 to win. Thursday night, 400 to win, right? That's a super, that's super stocks at some tracks get paid more than that on a regular night of racing. And their cars cost significantly less. Friday night, they race for 600 to win, okay? So Joe Pravo wins both races. And I'm going to call out Joe. I like Joe, but I'm going to call out Joe. 400 to win. 600 to win. So you made 1000 bucks over two nights. It paid 1000 bucks to win Saturday. Him and Gullickson were both gone. Now, I don't know. I heard rumors. I'm not really sure. I heard there might have been a little drama there. Maybe, maybe they both got kicked out. I don't know. I, saw, I heard rumors that there might have been some kind of altercation. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but neither one of them two were there. When there's more money on the line, Thursday night, grandstands empty. There ain't nobody there watching the races, right? Saturday night, grandstands full. A racer wants to race in front of a big crowd for more money. The two top guys weren't even there when there was a big crowd for more money. Makes no sense. So <laughs> the other thing is, you know, let's be honest. 
The only person in that, not, uh, the first two nights, okay, Joe Bravo is the only guy that even raced using the little bit of brain power us race car drivers have, right? Bert hit the nail on the head. He goes, you look at the track, you see a big brown tacky strip down on the bottom. Lots of traction, right? Big, huge tack strip. The whole rest of the track, marbles, dry, no cushion. And Joe Bravo was literally the only one smart enough to run the bottom on the tack strip. I, I like, are these guys all stupid? Like, seriously, they don't even know where to run on the racetrack. They're not that confusing. I mean, you look, hey, big track strip, tack, tack strip, right? It's called traction, dummy. You're up here slap. I'm watching Gullis. This guy's won a bunch of races. Former Wissota national champ. And I was like, a national champion. Yeah, hey, you won national champion in the street stock. Okay. okay. Yeah, and he won a bunch of races in the super stock. Dan's won a lot of races, especially at Cedar Lake. He's won a bunch of races there. And he looked like a rookie. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? He's sliding the car around and skating up the track and running in the marbles. I'm like, did he literally forget how to race? So let's keep in mind, on that second night, he started inside pole on the tax strip. Joe Bravo started outside pole in the marbles. Joe got a good start, shut the door, and where does Dan go for the next 15 laps? He ran, ran the middle and the top and sliding around. I'm like, what is he doing? He goes down to the bottom. He drives right up to Joe at the end. I'm like, I don't get it. So I, 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 that just blew my mind. But as far as, you know, having classes that look the same, I think that's a bad thing. I, I just simply do not like the class. Um, I think that in a lot of cases, that class is simply going to replace regular late models because tracks can't afford right. to pay regular late models every single night. And I've heard track promoters say, ah, most of the fans ain't smart enough to know the difference. So they're, they're still going to be happy because they got late models and we're going to be happy because we can pay them half as much. And well, that, yeah, that's a question. Well, Bert, you're familiar with these, right? From out east, you've had these. Do you think, I was going to ask you both this, and it's not, we didn't have this as part of the notes. Do you think, because I know the technology is better these days than it was, say, in 1990, but they have a lot less power than a late model did in 1990. Do you think they're going about the same speed, either of you, today, as a late model might have went in, say, 85 or 1990? Or are they a lot slower? Bert, I'll let you start. Especially, you guys got a half mile out there, so I'll let you start. Yeah, I mean, we had uh, – Shano Speedway had fast-track late models and was sort of late models probably for roughly maybe five years or so where they both raced weekly at Shano Speedway. I mean, the fast-track late models were definitely slower than the late models. Uh, on a drier track, uh, you know, it wasn't as noticeable. Uh, but one thing I wanted to say in response to Ryan, you know, promoters – uh, going to this route rather than paying that the larger payout for regular late models. I see that point. And the only thing is, um, you know, fans may be stupid and say they're late models, but the fans also know the drivers. And if, if, if their late model drivers are not racing in that division, they're going to notice and, you know, they may not go to the races. I mean, that that's my big thing. That was my big thing in Eastern Wisconsin. Even though you had fast track late models, you know, a lot of, you know, the top drivers were in the Wissota late model class. Uh, although there were several drivers that did do both. Uh, actually, MJ McBride did both for a couple of years. AJ Demo raced both of it. Well, AJ Demo won $50,000 one year in fast track. Um, because he was following the national points and everything. Um, but, 
I mean, there's a difference between the two. Um, I see where Puka's coming from. I see where Ryan's coming from. But I do agree when the cars look the same, especially at a special like the Masters, you know, the casual fan is like, well, didn't we just see the late models? What are these late models? So, you know, it can cause some confusion. All right, guys. Well, before we leave the USRA late model subject, just two comments. Uh, first, as we had a 13-year-old win a heat race down there, uh, Gavin Terrace. So congratulations, just 13 years old. Uh, hey, that was pretty cool. grandkid of Kevin Vibrock. Okay, Kevin Vibrock. I, I remember in a text you said you, you Vibrock. remember Kevin sure Vibrock. Oh, yeah, number 50? He, he ran, yeah. yeah, he had the wing modifieds for a long yep. time. He ran Meticulous all the time. Yep. yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, awesome. And then, uh, oh, and then I was happy to see the numbers. I said we had talked about this earlier. The uh, Twin Ports 25s coming up at the end of July, and they're going to have the USRE late months for the first time. We were a little bit worried about numbers. Well, at least we know Cedar Lake can find a way to get three heats. So maybe the number's up a little bit, but it'll be interesting to see how many actually, you know, make it all the way to Superior for that night of racing. Uh, one final observation I had from the Masters was uh, watching Kay Dillard, who raced his, you know, well, I guess I don't know if it's the same car, but as you know, Kay Dillard follows the world of a lot of late models. Uh, he was an MB Custom. He was out there in the, you know, running the local NASCAR late model. I didn't know exactly what kind of rules they ran, but he was, you know, he finished okay. But, you know, it just kind of occurred to me as I was there watching, it's like, you know, this is really the only MB Customs car on the national scene. And, you know, I guess, Bert, maybe I'll start with you. Do you think it bothers the Marses that they're, they've only got one out there? Or, or, or you know, do you see a catalyst potentially that will get the Marses another, another car out on the national scene? Well, I mean, I, I'm sure they would love to have more MB Customs out on the national scene. But um, as far as they're concerned, um, as long as you're selling late model chassis locally in Wisconsin, uh, you know, that, that has to be their main concern because that's how they make their living. And I know in eastern Wisconsin, I would say probably close to half the field race MB Customs. And obviously in western Wisconsin, there's a lot of MB Custom cars. So as long as they keep selling them locally, I'm sure they're, they're tickled to death to be to be selling as many as they are locally. Ryan? Well, I don't know what Lance, I, it was a Lance Holfer that won the Saturday of the USRA late models. He won that, right? I, don't I, know see, what, I didn't see any results Saturday for that. I don't know what kind of car he has. So other than not knowing what he has and Terry Phillips having a GRT, MB Customs won the other seven features at the Masters. I don't think they're concerned, right? You know, they, <laughs> paddle, they dominate the region. I mean, I don't want to say dominate the mods because the lethals are bolted. But you look at the late models, it's either Rockets or MB Customs for the most part. You look at the late, at the, at that's the late models, the Modifieds are either Lethals or MB that are kind of out of the top parts. So they have a big regional standing and they've built a huge business. They got a profitable business, very reputable. They do a great job. I, I really don't think they could honestly care less about the national scene as long as business is booming. Okay. All right, guys, we got to move on from this uh, just for the sake of time. And actually, one thing on the chassis, I was watching some great coverage from Dirt Race Central, watching the Tri-State Series uh, from Saturday night. Found another Longhorn in Wazota Country, Kent Arment, races a Longhorn. So we've got two. We have two on the record books. And then we'll have to figure out uh, if Marshall Fagers still has his. So uh, in addition to the Masters this weekend, uh, the Lucas Series was down racing. Uh, two nights are down in South Carolina at Cherokee. Ross Bales was victorious on Friday night. Brandon Overton was victorious on Saturday night at Smoky Mountain Speedway. 
So again, we're not going to get into the results on this. However, Brandon Overton won again. So Ryan Aho, with that being said, do we have a new hottest or number one driver in the country right now in Brandon Overton? Well, absolutely. And then we need to come back to the Masters because we got a few more okay. things I want to touch on there. Okay. But as far as, far as the Lucas, as far as Lucas Oil Light models, absolutely. But nationally, I mean, let's face it. Brandon Overton very easily could have won the last five in a row, right? He had the lead on, I believe, Friday on the last lap, got a flat tire. And then the first night at East Bay, he was battling for the lead, got a vibration, and broke. He could have five in a row. He has, in my opinion, not only is he extremely fun to watch, I mean, he is very exciting race car driver to watch, but he has been on fire. So I would say right now, if there was a power rankings for National Series late models, he'd be my number one at the moment for sure. Because if he unloads, he's a threat to win, period. And he's done a lot of racing already this year, too. I mean, he's been at a, you know, a lot of you know, southern races on there that weren't just Lucas Oil. In fact, he had a shot to win one. I was watching on Dirt on Dirt. I don't remember where it was. He had a shot to win. I think he broke there, too. You know, so he's had as bad of, as good of luck as he had He's had some bad luck, too, that's kind of knocked him out of some races. Otherwise, who knows how many feature wins he'd have right now. Bert? I agree. I mean, right now, he is the hottest driver uh, in the country. Uh, but, you know, it, it's not like Jimmy Owens has gone on a slump, though, either. I mean, Owens has been in the top three pretty much every race, uh, you know, since his winning streak. So um, those two have put on some good battles. And, I mean, Brandon Shepard had some real good runs uh over the weekend too with the racing with the Lucas stars. Yeah. Cause it kind of seemed like, you know, end of last year it was Madden and then we started this year and it was B Shep. And then, you know, a month ago, Owens kind of started his streak and now about yeah 10 days ago or whenever the Luca, you know, it just kind of seems like Overton. So, you know, we'll, uh, we'll keep abreast of that. But Ryan, what else did you want to comment on with the masters? Well, a couple things there. The modified racing was incredible. I mean, let's face it. They called the late models a support class. So we're talking about late models. This was a, this the, it was the modified Masters, right? So you're looking at that and talking about MB. Rodney Sanders was on a tear. I mean, he won the first two nights. He came out of the B main on Saturday, and he drove right up to second. I thought restart wow. come out late, I think seven to go. I thought he was going to win from 20th. And uh, Shane Sabraski, literally the hottest driver in Wissota Racing right now is Shane Sabraski. Between all the races he has won, I don't, I'd have to look. I don't know exactly how many, but he has a bunch of wins in the Super and he has a bunch of wins in that modified. That thing has been bolted. So he ran his Wissota modified with the USMTS modifieds, and he rattled off a second-place finish on the 10 grand to win night. So hats off to Shane down there. Not the guy I want to give a shout-out to, and I'm not sure if you guys know about this. Skeeter Esty was down there. Yep. Okay, Skeeter was running a B-Mod with his dad's A-Mod motor in it. He had a three-link in there. And, and uh, I don't know if he made the feature – the last night but he made the, i know friday night he was in the show and he ran yeah. right around 10th i'd have to look to see where he finished but i mean you're running against the best in the country he's out there with a three link a midwest modified suspension package and uh and he was running with the best of them so hats off to skeeter and that just tells me right there midwest modified guys you should be like bringing up some money to just get him out of that class right <laughs> i i've been calling skeeter i don't know if you guys seen the movie the ringer you ever see that movie What's it called? Uh -huh. The Ringer? No. Okay, so The Ringer, I think uh, the guy that – I think in the Jackass movie, the guy – Johnny Knoxville. That guy, he pretends to be retarded 
to get into the Special Olympics to try to fix the Special Olympics to win, okay? Now, I, that's, I, I've been calling Skeeter the ringer forever. It's like, dude, like you can win in an A mod. Quit playing around in the kids' class down here in the B mods because, like, you don't need to be down there. You dominate. You own that class. You shouldn't lose anything. Move up to the A mods. So B mod guys, if you want him out, pick up a collection, maybe start a GoFundMe, Go like fund Mike me. Yeah. right? And uh, buy him an engine, get him out of that class because he don't belong in a B mod. He absolutely belongs in an A mod. Um, Skeeter's a very talented guy. Another guy, I gotta eat crow. I gotta eat crow. Everybody's seeing this right now. I'm gonna eat some crow. So me and Puka were talking on on I think Saturday during the day, and actually the conversation was really about Jeff Provenzino. Because you're like, well, do you think Jeff's going to come down on Saturday? I'm like, there is no freaking way that anybody is going to just randomly show up to the Masters on Saturday. Like, it'd be stupid. Why would they do that? Like, literally, they're not going to do that. Because everybody else is a well-oiled machine. They already got a full night Thursday, full night Friday. They're getting their stuff better. Why would you do that, right? And then Rick Hannison shows up. <laughs> so, first of all, I called him out, right? I said, like, I think he's cherry-picking going to Superior. Cedar Lake's his home track. What the hell is he doing? Well, he just pulled the car out of the shop and figured he better get a test night in. He went, he went up there and won and then randomly shows up to Cedar Lake and passes Mars for the win. So, not only was I wrong in saying, hey, nobody's just going to show up on Saturday. That'd be stupid. Not only did he do that, then he wins. So, yeah, I got to eat crow on that one. <laughs> I was absolutely shocked. Uh, and, and I don't think he'd won for a few years, wasn't it? Three, four years since he won a feature? I don't know. I didn't see, like I said, I didn't get to see Saturday Night. Bert, any final comments or comment on Rick? Well, uh, I wanted to just mention uh, chassis a little bit because uh, I was, uh, uh, I didn't realize that Hannah said was racing at MB Custom. Uh, the first year that they had the uh, Dwayne Mader Memorial, race at uh red cedar i uh covered it for dirt monthly magazine and i interviewed hannah stead after and asked him why i believe he was racing a capital or uh or black diamond chassis and i asked him why he was racing that when everybody else was racing mb customs and he told me that since everybody else was racing him he wanted to be different well apparently he doesn't want to be different anymore and he's got ten thousand dollars to <laughs> coming his way <laughs> sure well that's you know i think i think that might be one of the reasons pat door runs a rocket i mean i i think pat door's good friends with jimmy they live by each other but he's kind of gone that that different way for the last few years you're shaking your head ryan i don't know that they're really that tight i think pat door's pretty quiet i think he kind of gets along with everybody but i don't think him and jimmy are all that terribly tight okay. um and you know speaking of jimmy Let's be honest, Jimmy's a highly competitive guy. One of the best late model drivers to ever strap in, you know, in our area. And he he had a great victory lane speech, right? He's like, man, you know, I, I'm just proud of him and really happy to see him win. That's got to be a tough spot, right? I mean, he is happy for him because it's his customer. But it's like the guy just drove by me it's at my home track, and I had a shot to win 10 grand. I mean, he handled that like a champ, but that had to be a difficult thing to say for well, sure. How, how bad did was it close, or did Anderson get around him and then and take off? Fairly close. Okay. Okay. So what was? Couple, it was what did you know. say? A couple car lanes, Bert. Yeah, I mean, once Hannestad, I mean, Hannestad passed him on the on the bottom, and Mars was running up top, and a couple laps later, obviously Jimmy dropped down to the bottom, 
Um, and then later on, I mean, Hannistan pulled away from him a little bit, and Jimmy went back up top trying to find something to catch him. Um, I mean, Hannistan definitely had the race under control. So what, what, when did he pass and what lap? Like midway or early? No, I, I would say a little past midway maybe. Okay, okay. Yeah, and, and Jimmy was spot on. Um, Hannistan's car rotated the bottom so well. I mean, the car just rotated and went. And you could see Jimmy was tight. And he mentioned that in the interview. Like he was too tight to run the bottom, so he had to kind of slide it. And then he would skate up off the tax strip. He couldn't rotate the bottom as good as Hannistan would. So, I mean, obviously, Jimmy still had a good car. He got second, but that's a painful one. When you're, when you're leading a big race like that, it's – I don't care who wins it. I don't, it could be your brother. don't matter. It's painful to get past and, and finish second in that race, for sure. Sure, sure. And, I mean, even though the bottom had moisture, it was a little rough down there. So, uh, I mean, Hannah Saddle's driving it in there hard, but you could see his, his car would unsettle a little bit. But, I mean, he definitely had the right setup for for the conditions well joe bravo told me after friday night you know he was rocking and rolling down there too and he said he was a little sore he said you know he said he didn't think he would be with you know the way you're harnessed in there but he said oh gosh he said i'm, I'm you know my shoulders are sore i'm a little bit sore so i'm sure you've waking up many nights like that or many mornings like that ryan where especially proctor huh something rough. That just says he's out of i just shape. want <laughs> i just want to i'm just wondering how many late model drivers took notice of of the races over the weekend and watched where the fast lane was and and with some big events coming up at cedar lake to see if uh they've been doing their homework yeah great point yeah i guess we're gonna see and we'll, we got some announcements for your race fans here coming up in the last lap segment so let's move on to a uh, segment two fellas and like we introed at the beginning here we're gonna come out with our power rankings for the late models and like i said we're just kind of concentrating on north dakota south dakota minnesota wisconsin region and I guess, guys, we kind of got on a list of what we're going to do, fans. We're just kind of banter around a little bit. We'll post our final list after our conversation uh, tonight or tomorrow on the Facebook page. And we will be updating this, you know, just about every week uh, as we go through the rest of the year here. So the first one, we're kind of, you know, it's kind of talking from the starting point to the quote-unquote Wazota area, you know, when we kind of started here, you know, whatever, month, six weeks ago, up until now. And so some names we have on the list. Guys that have all won races this year, Dustin Strand, Kent Arment, Nick Anvilink, Jake Tim, Jesse Glenns, the aforementioned Rick Haniston, uh, just Josh Skorzeski, Chad Becker, Pat Doerr, Jimmy Mars. Uh, Bert, do you want to step up to the plate first and kind of knock out who you think should be on the list? Or maybe maybe who you think you should be – maybe to narrow it down time-wise, who do you think should be in the top three? Um, I mean – even though he races a lot of national races when he races close to home, I mean, Jimmy Mars is always up front. I mean, he proved that this past weekend. So I think Jimmy Mars has to be up near the top. Um, Jesse Glenn's has proven to me that he is, he can win races. It doesn't matter if it's a big event, small event. Um, he didn't make the feature the first night at the masters and then he won the next night. So, I mean, you, you never know, what's going to happen in the, in the late model ranks. And um, I mean, Pat Doerr has been running really well lately. So those three come to the top of my mind off the, right off the bat. I have to uh, yield to you guys a little bit on the Dakota drivers. Cause I'm not as familiar with, with those drivers as you are. We're going to have to get you a subscription to dirt race central, Bert. 
<laughs> I may, well, I got dirt on dirt, so I guess that's the next one, huh? And then, and then Darn TV, they do some of the stuff up in North Dakota. I know they did Devil's Lake, and I okay. think they do some stuff at – I know uh, they both do some stuff at Grand Forks, so we're going to have to get you some of them because there's some really good racers out there. So, so Puka, I mean, who stands out to you? I'll, I'll let you start. I mean, what – Kind of talked about rattle off. You kind of named named a bunch of drivers. If you had to rattle off, kind of like uh, maybe third through tenth on your list, what would you have? Boy, third through tenth, and like I said, race fans, this is the tough thing, you know, because you know I, I don't disagree with anything Bert said so far too, because it, it just so and like I said, it's going to change every week. But third through tenth, yeah, I mean, you know, and I put this list together yesterday during the day, and then I see Chad Becker won a race. Last night again at Casino Speedway. Again, thanks to Dirt Race Central. Great coverage. Uh, third place there. And then Skorzeski, I don't know much about, but I know he's got some wins. You know, I've got Hannistead at fifth. We're talking a guy that's only raced twice, and, you know, he's 100% on the win column. So I've got Glenn's at sixth. You know, he did struggle Thursday night, and I did hear the interview when I was there Friday, and they said, what do you think of the track? Said, the, track the track is 100 times better for me compared to yesterday. You know, he, he won the, that was after the heat race. Uh, Jake Tim, you know, I mean, a guy, he started off really hot. He didn't have a, a stellar weekend at the Masters. But remember, you know, he won down at MTS. He actually went down to that I-55 and raced with some of the open cars that won a heat race. Nick Anblink won uh, opening night there. Burt out in uh, Shano. Like I said, Kent Arment's another guy I know that has one win. He won at Aberdeen, I believe, a week ago Friday. And, and like I said, I know Dustin Strand won the opening night over there in in Grand Forks. So yeah, I, you know, right now I've probably got it. Mars door Becker would probably be my top three. And then kind of, like I said, it's tough. What do you think, Ryan? I mean, it's, well, <laughs> it isn't you know, easy. Let's talk, let's talk about a couple of them here because I've been fortunate enough to watch some of these races. And, and the, right now, I think I got to give the nod in our area. I got to give the one slot to Chad Becker. He's a defending Wissota late model national champ. Um, he's, he's already got a handful of wins out there in South Dakota, threat everywhere he goes. You know, some people might argue like, Hey, he don't race the challenge series. Well, he's from South Dakota, right? So he races the tracks and he wins and he dominates at the tracks that he's racing at. So I'm going to give him the one slot. Now, man, you know, it's hard to not put Mars door them next, but I never would have did this three days ago, but I might put Rick Hanniston second. Right? Some people might argue, well, how can you put him ahead of Mars? Well, heck, he raced two nights. He's got yeah. two wins. And he drove 100%. by Mars to win. Mars one night, one of the Masters. Then he got two seconds. Right? So he's, he was obviously red hot. Mars was not that impressive at Mississippi Thunder. Um, he, yeah. he was okay. So, but Hanniston drove right by him. So you just win the biggest race we have in the area. And so that's got to give you some clout. So I'm going to put him too. Uh, I'm going to put Mars, you know, Mars, he got a first, a second. And if not, if Hannison would have just stayed home on Saturday, instead of like ruining cherry picked, could have cherry picked out to Shano with all that easy competition, Bert. Yeah. If he would have stayed home, Mars would have won. So So I would put Mars third. No, Pat Doerr, he's been on fire. Pat Doerr has been absolutely good. He's got a, he won up at Superior. Um, Good field of cars up there. He won at Rice Lake, too, didn't he? Yeah, he won at Rice Lake. We got a couple wins. Another guy who I'm going to put in the top five, Dustin Strand. Guys, have you guys had a chance? I know, Puka, you have. You've been out to Grand Forks, right? Bert, have you had a chance to watch Dustin Strand race? 
No, I haven't. Man, I tell you what, he is one of the most talented drivers I have ever seen in a race car. This kid has run, he's won Midwest Mods, he's won in Supers, he's won in Modifieds, he won, I mean, he was really good. I think he won the points deal down in uh, Arizona. Um, and he is, uh, flat, I mean, he's a former national champ in multiple divisions. His dad has two national championships in the Modifieds. Dustin Strand, two feature wins on the year. He's got three races and he won the opener at River Cities. He won Saturday night at Devil's Lake. Now, that was a that was a good race. He uh, he battled there, drove around the top, found something. He was really good. Great racetrack out there. So he won twice there. Brad Singh, I think, won this weekend. But Strand got second or third. So he's up front. Anywhere he unloads, I can assure you, and I don't care who he races against, he is somebody that's a flat-out contender um, to win races. Jake Tim, the poor man's Bobby Pierce. Okay, I'm gonna put him six. He is not smooth in any stretch of the like. He is not smooth. If there's a cushion on the wall, he's ripping the right rear off. Period. And just he's gonna shred that thing. But I enjoy watching him. He's on the wheel. He's a charger. He reminds me of Bobby Pierce. Bobby Pierce not smooth, right? Maybe the not so smooth operator, right? But Jake Tim is absolutely going to be somebody that is a force to be reckoned with for years to come great racing pedigree i put him six jesse glenn's mr september i mean he won some big races at the end of the year he won one night at the masters that kid is talented um no he, you know, i always thought he was kind of a skateboarder myself but it turns out he's a race car driver so i'm gonna put him seven josh Gorcheski, another young gun out in south dakota a lot of guys maybe haven't had the opportunity to see him race got a brand new car this year I'm already rattled off a couple wins, gave a couple away. He had the lead and went to the wrong spot after a restart, kind of gave a couple away. But, you know, with a couple wins under his belt and some solid top three finishes, I, I'm going to put him up there. Another guy, and I don't see him race much, but Nick Anvilink, I mean, he's got a win at Shano. He is obviously the top guy in eastern Wisconsin by a landslide. Um, he, you know, the Dirt Kings Tour – they might as well, in my opinion, unless something goes wrong, they should just write him the check and hand it to him, right? Because <laughs> he's, he's a force to be reckoned with there. Um, that, would be, that would be through nine. Now, Cam, kind of torn here, okay? I don't know if I go with – I, I, I kind of have to have a homer pick in here a little bit. And one of my homer picks, I think I'm going to go with Daryl Nelson. Daryl Nelson is somebody that – constantly cracking himself up into the top three, four. He hit the wall hard, guys, on Saturday in the heat race, jumped yeah, the race yeah. car. And uh, his, his daughter says, you don't need to race. He goes, what are you talking about? I'm going to race. He's not supposed to be racing anyway because he's got some back issues, but <laughs> he's a racer. But right now I'm going to put him 10th. That's arguable. Our men's got to win. But uh, I'm going to put Nelson in there right now as far as my top 10. But this is a good conversation, and – now, this is something all three of us can kind of banter on and talk about it. You know, we can kind of follow people and, you know, we'll post our list up there. And if you're a fan listening, we're going to post our list. Put some comments out there. What do you think? You know, make your argument as a fan who you think your top 10 should be and why. And that'll give us something to talk about here on the show, too. So um, I'd like to see some yeah, interaction there. Yeah, because it's tough. Go ahead, Bert. I see you want to say something. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to mention uh, – a driver from eastern wisconsin to keep an eye on he doesn't have any wins yet this year but he he's had a lot of top five finishes um justin ritchie 
Uh, he finished, I believe, third at Mississippi Thunder Speedway to open the season. Uh, he was at the Masters the first two nights, and he qualified for the feature both nights. Uh, he headed back home to race at Plymouth uh, Dirt Track uh, in Sheboygan because uh, they're, they're going for the track championship there. And he lost the feature by half a car length. So uh, he's had a lot of good runs. And uh, he's a former Wissota late model track champion at Channel Speedway. I believe he won the sportsman division, which is like a limited late model at Channel Speedway uh, twice before he jumped up to the Wissota late models. Uh, he took several years off from racing and he dabbled with racing IMSA Modifieds. Uh, last year, uh, he found a car, a car owner, asked him to drive for, for him, and uh, he's, been, he's been doing really well ever since. Who did he lose to? Uh, Justin Schmidt. Oh, okay. Guy I'm not familiar with. So, But yeah, yeah like I said, Justin, well, Justin Schmidt is from Cleveland, Wisconsin. He's a two-time defending track champion at Plymouth Third Track. Okay. So yeah, like I said, race fans, you know, feel free to comment. And even on this list, I mean, these are guys that don't have a win yet, but you know, they're perennially, perennial, perennially. How do you say that? A perennial, perennial, perennially. Competitive. He's all like, yeah, like like AJ Demel, you know, Kurt Gelling, John Canta. Uh, you know, I don't know if Kyle Peterlin's got his car out yet. And then another guy I was impressed with doesn't really qualify for our list, but I, watching the tri-state race is uh justin's oh I, I brought this up already that justin zeitner did i bring that up already i can't remember if i did or not but this justin zeitner who's running that tri-state series uh he won that night and uh, boy was he impressive i'd never seen him run before so you know there's the guys and like i said he doesn't really qualify but demo does galing does canta does peterland does so like i said keep an eye on the list feel Chad, free to comment Mater's another guy that's Chad Mater, yeah, yeah. Him. And, yeah. and i he got brownie points for me i mean i'm, I'm probably gonna cause a little controversy <laughs> here right but him and him and my my rival dave moss and i get along with dave now <laughs> we didn't always want to race and but uh they may have been kind of playing kissy face out there a little bit in the feature. And uh, I didn't really honestly look like Moss really got into him hard, but it must have got into him at the right spot. Mater got turned around coming off four. Well, then uh, the yellow comes out, and Mater lets him go by. They're on the yellow in the middle of the back straightaway, and Mater just turns right into his left ear, dumps him, spins him out, gets himself kicked off the track. And I kind of chuckled a little bit. I'm like, boy, I've kind of had the same thoughts with him. So, you know, I, I, you know, but <laughs> probably wasn't the most professional thing I've ever seen. He probably regretted it the next day. But a little bit of controversy there, a little bit of heated rivalry already starting. So, uh, but Dave Moss, I was fairly impressed. You know, he, he, he actually ran pretty well all weekend long. Um, so he's another guy to kind of watch, another guy to watch who actually ran pretty well and, you actually had him in kind of your initialist, Jeffrey Massengill. Um, he's been, you know, he had a really good run at Rice Lake. Um, he's had, uh, he had a really, actually ran really well down at Cedar. You know, typically speaking, you know, and I'm, I'm a hibbing guy, right? But typically speaking, our late models traditionally haven't gone well, you know, done well at Cedar. And, and I think that he represented pretty well down there, you know, so that, that was good to see. So he's a guy that, this could be his year to maybe uh, crack up into that top 10 in our power rankings here. Yeah, definitely. And uh, what was I going to say about all oh, that little duel. So hopefully we can get some footage of that uh, Moss Mater duel. And when I was there, you know, they were running mid pack 
And I did happen to look down just past the flag stand. And I, at one point I saw sparks and it was those two, those two. And then this incident happened like two, two laps later. You know, there was so much action going on, you know, that I didn't really want it because Mars was kind of tracking Glens and such. And, and Giassi was kind of coming on at the end too. And there's another guy that'll probably uh -huh. be in the list at some point. We were already winning down. Didn't he win one at Mississippi? Did he win the first race? He won the one? first yeah, race of the year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, so, you know, but then all of a sudden, yeah, this incident happens, and I turn and talk to a guy, and I look, and there's, you know, you hear the fans going crazy, and you see two cars stalled on the backstretch. Clearly something happened. So for those of you that are on the podcast, uh, be sure to check out either the One To Go the one to go Show Facebook page or the One To Go show YouTube page. Um, I know I do have a picture up there at least, but hopefully we'll be able to get some footage and show you that clip uh, as, and as you know, or I guess you don't know if you're just podcasting, we have been putting up clips for the last few weeks of some of the items we're talking about. So feel free, like I said, to jump on either the one to go show Facebook or the one to go show YouTube to catch all that. All right. Anything else on the power rankings or we better move forward. All right. So now we're going we're gonna to touch, touch base a little bit about what's going on this weekend. Obviously, it's June 15th here on a Monday, and there's lots of racing action. Thank God. You know, we're kind of coming out of this quarantine somewhat, and there, you know, there's stuff kind of going on everywhere. So uh, who wants to start? Ryan, Bert, uh, kind of what you're looking forward to this weekend? Bert, go ahead. I'll, I'll start. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the Clash at the Creek at 141 Speedway, uh, 10,000 Wayne IMSA Modified Show. Uh, I was, I looked at the USMTS schedule and I see that USMTS has scheduled races against the Clash at the Creek, where uh, the last few years, a handful of drivers would go from Cedar Lake to 141 Speedway to race. Uh, so I'm interested to see how many of the, if they lose, how many big name travelers they lose. Uh, hopefully it's not too many. Uh, but like I stated on the show, I think a couple weeks ago, I reached out to Ricky Thornton Jr., who's won the last two Clash at the Creeks, and his plan is to, to try to win three in a row. And I looked at the World of Outlaw Late Model schedule, and I see the races in New York have been can canceled. So he'll be able to race without any conflicts. Uh, obviously, that's, that's what I'm going to be. That's on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. I'll be covering it for Dirt Monthly Magazine. So... Uh, that's awesome. what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday. It's kind of odd, but it's kind of cool in a way. So uh, nobody can yeah, say but, I'm racing for track points and miss it. Yeah, it's cool in a way, but the weather is supposed to be hot. Thursday is supposed to be close to 90 degrees. So well, <laughs> we'll see how that me. goes. <laughs> yeah, Ryan? Rain, rain's coming Friday. <laughs> okay, well, perfect. <laughs> well, I think that I'm about 99% positive that I'm finally going to take in my first race of the year. And, and I think I'm going to go to Wilmot on Father's Day on Sunday. I haven't told okay. the better half about this yet. But uh, the Dirt Kings <laughs> are going to actually be at, at uh, Wilmot mm -hmm. an hour from my house, an hour oh. away. So I checked to see they're actually uh, – so it's a Dirt Kings late model show. They're going to have non-wing sprints. They're having mods and speed stocks. So they'll have a full field of cars. I've never been up there. Steve Sinclair with the IRA sprints uh, also has, uh, you know, racing insurance, um, K&K. He does that. And he's heavily involved with Wilmot. He said, man, you got to get up there. It's a good program. I have some friends that have gone to Wilmot that have been up there. They said it's a good track. So Sunday night, father, my Father's Day gift um, oh, to myself perfect. is Not I think I'm actually going to buckle in. And I, I actually, guys, and you may not know this, over the last three months with all this COVID crap, 
like literally I ain't left the house. Like I've been going golfing like two blocks away and that's it. And yesterday I took a, a five hour trip to Minneapolis to visit my daughter and a five hour trip. That's the most miles I have on my car in three months, right? Is that trip. <laughs> so I'm finally going to bite the bullet, get to a race. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to get there and I'm going to get some coverage for me. Got for you guys. And I'm excited to get up there. I've never seen a Dirt Kings race. Um, I've seen a lot of them guys that are in that series race. Um, and uh, obviously, we've had Nick on the show, so I'm excited to go up and watch him and uh, definitely get up there and, and uh, see see what some racing in this area is all about. So that's what I'm looking forward to this weekend. Perfect. Well, yeah, and just race fans, just to keep an eye out, uh, the World of Outlaw Late Models will be at Volunteer Speedway in Bulls Gap, Tennessee, for their usual Friday, Saturday, 6K on Friday. 10k on saturday and then the lucas oil late models magnolia motor speedway the clash at the mag thursday five grand friday five grand now saturday now this is one thing to, to note i guess it's fifteen thousand on saturday but i believe this is our first 100 lap event of the year do you two recall i think this would be so kind of kind of seems a little weak on the pay front to go 100 laps for 15 grand but you know at least we're gonna see you know, I guess as we're kind of revving up here, and I guess that'll be maybe a conversation for later in the month is, you know, the month of money or the, I guess it's a lot longer than a month of money now for the, the late models, you know, that I-80 kind of kicks it off in mid-July. We're supposed to go I-80 and then Fairbury and then Cedar Lake and then the North-South and then the Topless. But, you know, with everything going on, we just don't know where any of that stuff is at. But anyway, kind of a test. Where's that to harder lap at? Is that Bull Gap? No, the hundred lappers at the clash at the mag for the Lucas. Oh, Lucas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the Lucas one. Yeah. So I, I had to look a couple times and I looked at a couple different places to make sure that that wasn't a mistake. But as of right now, everywhere I've seen is listed as a hundred lapper. And like I said, for only 15 grand to win, but at least we're going to get to see the guys like Overton, you know, Overton's lot once a 50 lap race. Like, can Overton, you know, he's going to be there. He's from down there. You know, can he pull it off now for a hundred laps? Or is a guy like Jimmy Owens, who's kind of a master at that stuff, you know, going to take it to him i gotta be honest like i'm i'm have to i don't have lucas oil racing tv or lucas oil tv that i don't have that and after the races we saw down at golden isles the races we saw at east bay like i am absolutely tempted to get that because i got kind of addicted to watching them races for free that was pretty cool of them to do on their facebook page but uh man I, i'm telling you that lucas oil series they had some really really good racing so I might bite the bullet and, and uh, do they do they archive them too? So they play them live. Do they post them on? You can watch them the next day if you miss them. I say I've never I had it know. either, but I'm assuming they they must. They have yeah, I'm sure. You know, I, I would got a think so. Like so that. I might yeah, not I be able to watch it live if I'm going to a racetrack, but man, it's kind of hard not to watch those races as good as they've been. <laughs> Absolutely, and then the sprint cars are out in Indiana. The World of Outlaw sprint cars are out in Indiana for the weekend. All right, everyone. Well, that brings us to the last lap segment where we have one to go. And uh, earlier in the year, we mentioned there's a inaugural street stock series going on here in Wazota country. Ryan, why don't you uh, take it away as they're, they're getting revved up. Yeah, they actually made their first, uh, their first shows out there. They were out in Mandan, Jamestown, and then they ran at uh, the Cheyenne River, or it used to be Cheyenne River Speedway, but the Cheyenne Speedway. Now, guys, pay attention to that track. They've been Cheyenne Speedway in Lisbon, North Dakota. They, and we might even get the promoter of that place on the show one day because they have been doing a bang-up job with their promoting, and they're really making that place into something special. 
So a Minnesota local, northern Minnesota guy, and I'm not sure if you know this, Puka, Jake Fromke from International Falls made the trip out for that tour in the Wasota Street Stock. So that was pretty cool. You see, a, you know, we don't even wow. have in northern Minnesota, there's not even Wasota Street Stocks. He lives up in the Falls. I'm guessing maybe Emo must have street stocks. I'm not sure. But he made the trek west. And he, won, he won the opening night of the series. So hats off to him. Wow. Um, Eric Riley won night number two. And then uh, your 2000, I guess, 18 national champ, a guy that was very instrumental with putting this series together, Justin Vogel, won night three. Now, I actually had a chance to visit with Vogel and Johnny Carter last year's champ. Uh, I, I visited with them a little bit this last week. And they were sassing each other up. And they kept Johnny Carter out of victory lane, which is tough to do. I mean, you get him, especially on his home turf, he's a guy to win. Todd Carter, perennial powerhouse in the Superstock, they both ran well, but they kept them out of victory lane. So I'm not sure where the points shake up. They got a lot of throwaway shows. They make it complicated. We'll keep that, you know, we'll keep that for a later date. But uh, hats off, I guess I want to give the biggest shout-out to Jake Fromke, northern Minnesota guy uh, making the trip out there, uh, stealing the win on night number one. Nice job, Jake. All right, we got uh, news on the national late model uh, tour, or the Lucas tour. Uh, Brian Shirley, news, Bert. You want to tell the race fans what's going on? Yep, he's uh, dropping off the Lucas Oil tour. Uh, uh, article I read was that uh, they're just going to take a little break, regroup, and they weren't sure when they were going to race next, but I'm, I'm, he's a racer. I'm sure it won't be too long. Uh, but he won't be following the Lucas Oil Tour. And uh, I also in the article, it did say that he lost his crew chief to uh, Earl Pearson Jr.'s team. Uh, so they're going to regroup a little bit, but I'm sure he'll be out racing real soon. Well, it sounds like that that uh, crew chief change helped Earl uh, over this past weekend. Is <laughs> he the end of what, the, what? I think a, a tenth and a five. fifth. Or top, top yeah, five. tenth and a fifth, or something like that. So it was a cup. You know, I think he had one top ten leading into this. And like I said, we've we've addressed Earl. And uh, like I said, I'm happy to see. You know, this is a guy. Like I said, 20 months ago, won the Dirt Million. You know, and now he can't even get a. You know, he's got like two top tens. So uh, three top tens. So uh, good luck, Earl, moving forward. And good luck to Brian Shirley. Hope to see you at a track soon. Bert, Big announcement was made. Oh, go ahead. I got a, I got a question on Brian Shirley for Bert. Being that he's not following Lucas, do you think he might be one of them guys to head up to the dirt training race in Wilmot? Um, I mean, it's possible. I mean, his car owner is from Wisconsin. Um, his, his car owner actually raced late models at one time, and he raced at Plymouth Dirt Track, which is, you know, only maybe an hour or two north of Wilmot. So, um, I mean... I don't know if he's going to be there, but yeah, I mean, it, it would be a definite possibility. I mean, no, Dennis did, Herb actually won one of those races at Wilmot, and I don't know if it was last year or a couple of years ago. I believe so, that was two. That was two years ago, and that race was co-sanctioned by Dirt Kings and the Ethanol Series. Is that out of Michigan? Yeah, I think it's defunct now, but yeah, that was the same. Yeah. Series. So it's it, you know, being that it's not real far from the Illinois border. I'm kind of wondering if you might see, you know, one of them guys hop up there on Sunday because I don't think there's anything else going on on Sunday. You know, well, I think uh, maybe a guy like him, maybe Bobby Pierce, maybe Herb, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I think it's going to be good regardless. But it, I'll, I'll keep you guys in the loop for sure. Okay. Yeah, if there's yeah, a year I mean, to do that stuff, it's I mean, this year. Illinois, Illinois hasn't had much racing so far this year, so. <laughs> exactly. 
All right, uh, Saturday night at the Masters at Cedar Lake, they made a huge announcement, and Ryan, you wanted to touch on that? Yeah, remember I talked about Jimmy Mars, probably it was a little bit tough to swallow. Hey, congratulating Hannestead to win. You know who it was probably pretty tough for? Chris Steffen, right? So Chris Steffen has the border battle July 2nd, 3rd, and 4th up at the Gondick Law Speedway in Superior. Great show, always sold a class is too grand to win each night for late models. Well, he was also the announcer at the Masters. I mean, obviously, he does, he's one of the best announcers around. Does a great job. Yeah, he did a great uh, job. It was great, to, yeah. You know, he, he makes the show great. He's really good at what he does. But he had to announce the big announcement. And the big announcement, guys, it's huge. World of Outlaw Late Models and the World of Outlaw Sprints combined shows July 2nd, 3rd, and 4th at the Cedar Lake Speedway. On the, on the July 4th race, it's going to be televised on, I believe, CBS Sports. You know, live so, and live. I uh, live. The live. live event. So a huge, huge deal. Now, he had to be just bitter. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he had to be going, oh, my God, like half my fans are going to go to Cedar Lake. I mean, this sucks, right? So he had to be bitter, but he handled it like a champ. He was professional. He was, he's a professional in the industry. So he was professional, but it hadn't just been eating him up inside. The other guy that was probably eating up inside – was they interviewed him down there was Bob Kemp, promoter at Mississippi Thunder, because they announced they're going to have Dirt Kings races the second and third. So we're going to talk more about that next week on next week's show leading into that. But uh, quite the interesting development with late models and on all of our tracks. But that's a huge deal to put late model racing, actually to put the Cedar Lake Speedway on national television live, to put them on the map. It's a huge deal for racing, huge deal for dirt track racing. Hats off to the guys at the Cedar Lake Speedway. And it's, I mean, let's face it, it's not very often. I think the only time is the beginning of the year, maybe. Once oh, it's the only time is the world finals. Yeah. yeah. So they, you never see them together. Right. And it's kind of two different clientels of people, right? I mean, the sprint car fans are sprint car fans. My buddy Keith, I'll give him a shout out again. He's a huge sprint car fan. My buddy Jeff, on the other hand, he's a bigger late model fan. Well, guess what? Now they can both go. And in fact, I'm going to go to that race for sure on probably Thursday. I don't know if I'm going to go the whole weekend, but I'm probably going to go to the Thursday show. We're, all, we're planning on all getting together there and kind of taking that night in. But uh, it's, a, it's a great deal to get those two together. I think it's going to be a great event for sure. Yeah, very interesting. Bert, anything on the show? Yeah, I mean, that's a huge announcement. And, I mean, with the way things are going this summer, I imagine – television networks are looking for live entertainment to fill up to help fill their lineup so it's a like i stated last week this summer could be a great opportunity for dirt late well just dirt racing dirt local dirt racing uh to be showcased in front of people that wouldn't normally see it yeah exactly that's a great chance for our sport to grow get get some new eyeballs and, uh, you know, that's kind of spoiling the fan, the potential fan. We just show them World of Outlaw Late Models, World of Outlaw Sprint Cars. You know, you go to your weekly track, it's not necessarily that good. But anyhow, so, and Ryan, you want to touch a little bit on the, speaking of the World of Outlaw Sprints, a little bit on Knoxville? Yeah, I, I think they're, uh, we talked about GoFundMe earlier. I think the World of Outlaw Sprint Car drivers are actually going to do a GoFundMe to try to get Kyle Larson back into an NASCAR team. Um, virtually unbeatable. I mean, Kyle Larson won, you know, young money, 
The, the guy is absolutely the number one sprint car driver in the world right now and is flat out dominating the game. And uh, I tell you, if he would have ran the whole series, if he would have gotten in trouble earlier, right, maybe he'd have a <laughs> chance to win the World of Outlaw Championship. But, man, he is, he is absolutely a thrill to watch. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him live in person. Hopefully he's at Cedar Lake. I guess I haven't seen an announcement. I'm assuming he's going to be. But, man, he is just – he is owning it right now in the world of Outlaw Sprint Cars. And a guy I wanted to bring up that's been doing some winning is Todd Pospisil. And we talked about Tad, if you recognize that name. Tad, uh, the, right? Tad? Tad? Yeah. That's what I said. What did it sound like I said? Todd. Oh, Todd. Oh, maybe I said Todd. Sorry. I meant Tad. So we're here <laughs> in the writing. Uh, I think it's Skaya. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, so Tad was the gentleman that won both nights when the Tri-State Series was up in Jackson with the World of Outlaw, World of Outlaw Late Models. Uh, he qualified for the World of Outlaws both nights. He won both of those shows. And I just happened to be cruising through some social media, saw that he won the Malvern Bank Series race on Thursday. So I just want to congratulate him. We don't know much about him, but all we know is the guy's doing a lot of winning. You know, maybe, you know, speaking of young money, I don't know, maybe he's one of these young and up-and-coming guys. So it's just kind of a name we wanted to bring up to all you race fans to kind of pay attention to. All right, we'll cap off the night with a little bit of North Dakota and South Dakota racing, Ryan. Uh, Devil's Lake, uh, late models are up there, and then some racing action at Casino last night. Yeah, after I talked to Brad, you know, he said, man, you got to watch some racing there. i never seen a race. So I, uh, I checked out a little bit of footage. Actually, Darn TV had the footage from the Devil's Lake Speedway. Uh, the BMOD race, guys, was incredible. I mean, that was just a great race all around. But we talked a little bit about Dustin Strand, and, uh, man, fun to watch. I mean, that race, I mean, the bottom was good. The top was good. You know, and he kind of worked his way up through there. And, and there was some really good racing to be had in that late model. And there was passing throughout. I mean, there was guys that finished up in the top three, top four that started back, you know, seven, eight rows and worked their way up through the field. But uh, hats off to Dustin Strand, tapping off another win. They had 20 late models there, you know, which is impressive. They don't run late models on a regular basis. So they kind of rely on pulling people from other areas when they have a show like that. So, you know, hats off to Dustin Strand. Great job to Nolan and the staff up at the Devil's Lake Speedway. Now, we've been raving on Casino Speedway. I mean, we've been just talking nonstop about the Casino Speedway, and that was on Sunday night. So Devil's Lake was on Saturday, Sunday night, back to the Casino Speedway, Watertown, South Dakota. And the late model feature, mod feature, again, just absolutely amazing. So I'll touch a little bit on the late model feature first. You know, the 2000, I guess you're defending with Soda Late Model National Champ. There's no points going on right now, unfortunately for him, because he'd probably be leading. But, uh, man, he come from the fourth row or fifth row, drove by everybody, yeah. patient, and yep. just Went drove away and again. Just, yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> just put a beat down on him. And, and uh, man, he, he's so smooth. You watch Becker get her on the track, and he's not a guy that's up on the wheel, you know, like banging. The, he's just a smooth driver. And I, re I really wish, I really wish there was a way that they could do something with the Challenge Series to get more people to follow it because I think he'd be, he'd be a contender. You know, I think he'd run perfectly well with your AJ Demos and Pat Doors and Cantos. I think he'd fit right in well with that group. In fact, I believe he won the Wasota 100 and several of those guys were at, at I-94 last year. So hats off to him. But the modified feature... Again, I'm a log guy, right? Man, Trevor Anderson, hats off, man. 
I tell you, you put on a heck of a show last week with a last lap slide job on, on uh, Tyler Peterson. And he come, guys, he come from 15th in the feature and had a last lap pass again in back-to-back -back oh. weeks to win the modified feature at the Casino Speedway. This kid, I tell you, I, I raced against him back in the day, and he was just kind of getting started. And he was a pretty good runner, you know, consistent. But he's getting up on the wheel. I mean, he raced a lot. He went down to Arizona, you know, and, and he, he kind of had a tough break down there. But he's been racing more and more and more. Now he's got a late model as well. But in that modified, and they, here's the deal, they build that themselves. See, his dad owns, um, owns Aero Chassis, right? They build them parts. And actually, Trevor basically runs the parts shop there. So they run that together. It's a family business. They build their own race cars. And he's lighting it up and winning features. And not just, you know, it's not like he's starting up front and getting a win. I mean, he's coming from four or five. In this case, he came from the eighth row to get a last lap pass. So hats off Trevor Anderson. Hats off Casino Speedway. That place has been awesome. I'm a bullring guy. Absolutely love watching it. I look forward to that, really. Every Sunday night, I, I kind of watch the time so I can jump on and catch the features. And another guy out at the Casino Speedway. Obviously, my favorite number, 71, right? But uh, Trevor Nelson, three in a row this weekend. Three in a row for Trevor Nelson in the Wasota Superstocks out in yeah. South Dakota. So hats off to them South Dakota guys. They're putting on some great racing. Thank you to Dirt Race Central for going out there every week because I'm not driving from Illinois to Waterdown. I'm doing that every Sunday. <laughs> it's a little bit far of a drive to go for a regular race, but I can catch that. Watch DRC.TV. I can catch that every week along with several other races, including this weekend, guys, I'm not sure if you knew this, but Ogilvy has their opener this coming Saturday. And uh, looking forward to that. Dirt Race Central is actually going to be at that one as well. So we'll be able to catch that action um, either live or, or after the fact. So, Puka, back to you, man. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and like I just follow them on Facebook, and then they'll they'll send out like Thursday night kind of what their schedule is for the week. You take a screenshot, you got it. So, all right, race fans. Well, I think that's just about it. So, Ryan, you enjoy your I, first. Oh, go ahead, Bert. I just want to do one shout out to uh, Tom Nayard. Uh, he's a longtime veteran, late model veteran. Uh, he won the feature at Channel Speedway. He's sixty-five years old. So, uh, doesn't matter when if you get older, you can still win. Yeah, that is awesome. Number nine, right? Tom Nayer, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Seen him turn some laps through the years. So. Awesome. Yeah. So Bert, you have fun at the Clash, and uh, come full of uh, info for next week. Ryan, have fun on Father's Day at Wilmont. Have a great, uh, great night there, and to all the fathers, uh, happy Father's Day uh, upcoming here this Sunday, and hopefully everyone will be, get out to the track this weekend. As always. Uh, be your dream. You're tuned to the one to go show.